Greetings and welcome to Carmelite Conversations. This is Frances Harry, your host. I'm so glad you're joining us today. I have a special guest with me. We're going to be talking about the interior castle, St. Teresa of Avila. And I did an introductory podcast just recently. And so this will be the second one in the series. And we're going to be talking about the first dwelling place or the first mansion of the interior castle of St. Teresa of Avila. So I'm so glad you're here because this is a wonderful journey to take. And I like having conversations with somebody about it. So I'm so happy <laughs> to have with me a fellow Carmelite. And um, she's from uh, the Dayton, Ohio area. She's in the secular order of Discalced Carmelites here in Dayton. And she's fully professed, and she's a wonderful lady. So welcome, Teresa Rittenhouse. How are you? Good morning. Just fine. I'm so glad you're willing to have this conversation with me. It just makes it so much better. And I remember you telling us how much you loved this book. Can you tell us why? Well, um, it's such, she, Mother Teresa gave us a guide on how to be perfect in this world. And um, she's such a mother. She gives us a step-by-step uh, way to to talk to God, to realize that he's in each and every one of us. And and then the pitfalls, the the just like a mother to, to beware. <laughs> and um, so I love this book. So and, I know uh, you... You are a wife and a mother as well. So um, isn't it interesting how as we learn about this interior castle, how we start looking at our our husband and our children and, you know, how we can help them grow on this interior journey, too. Yes, absolutely. And by our examples. And, exactly. Um, and, yes. And it's and a I ripple know- effect. And I know you led a formation class on this. What was that like experience for you as as you taught the whole book to them? Um, well, I went back through my notes and I taught in 2017 and then I taught it again in 2020. I didn't uh, realize I had taught it twice. And um, but it makes you walk the walk. Um, it keeps you straight and um and just sharing it uh, with my fellow brothers and sisters. I, I love that. Well, you did a good job, and I'm sure that's why you got to do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I'm glad you're willing to take some time to go on this interior journey together with me, with our listening audience. And so as normal, I'd like to begin with an opening prayer. And I chose this prayer from a book called The Interior Journey Toward God. It's by John Paul Thomas. And it's a it's a wonderful book. I just discovered it recently. John Paul Thomas is a pseudonym for a priest who wrote it. And I think he did a really good job with reflections and reflection questions and these wonderful prayers. So I want to pull this prayer from that. And I use that book many a time. So I invite you to find that book, The Interior Journey Toward God by John Paul Thomas. And so, Teresa, would you mind beginning um, this prayer for us? And then I'll at the end of it, I'm going to lead us in the Our Father prayer and make some commentary on it. Okay. All righty. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. 
Most glorious King, you made me in your divine image and desire that my soul should bright, shine brightly like a diamond, gleaming in the bright sun which radiates from within. Grant me the grace to look inwardly and to see you dwelling within. Help me as I begin this journey to look beyond my sin so that I may see myself as you created me. As I do, help me to also see the sin that darkens the brightness of this castle of my soul. In dwelling of the most holy trinity, I love you. I trust you. I surrender my life to you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Teresa. Now, I really wanted to have the Our Father prayer in there because in the last an introductory pair, um, podcast to this series, I used the framework of the Our Father prayer as a way that we can remember each of these mansions. So for the first mansion, the, the petitionary line of the Our Father prayer that is associated with this first dwelling place is deliver us from evil. And this is really helpful because at the beginning, we are have been immersed in evil and we're we're just coming out of um you know we're making our exodus right from the world to this interior life and so to pray deliver us from evil is very very important and much needed because we don't have the strength we need the grace from god and the intercession of the saints to help us to deliver us from evil so that we can make some progress on this interior journey. Now, Teresa likes to use a lot of metaphors and images throughout her writing. So um, I'm going to ask this Teresa, <laughs> who's with me. <laughs> this might be confusing when we talk about Teresa. And Teresa so hopefully I can keep it all straight. <laughs> um, Teresa uses some images of the soul. Can you tell us um, what those images are? Well, you know, she really tried to use things that we can we can understand. And so she gave us the description of a diamond, um, you know, the many facets of the diamond and how uh, it shines and it's brilliant. And it's, you know, it's it's beautiful diamond. And then a crystal castle, um, you know, there was castles in her time. And so to have a clear crystal castle to see something of beauty and a pearl of the Orient, what a gem, um, you know, pearls are uh, a wanted in a treasure. And then she talked about the tree of life planted in living waters of life, you know, giving fruits and, and, uh, those images are just beautiful images of the soul. You know, this most recent time of going through this entire castle, the first time I caught this tree of life as an image of the soul. So like if you think of your soul as the tree of life 
and and we're planted in the living water and who's the living water it's god so um but i really liked um thinking of the soul in these terms in fact um i know you've done this too uh, i had a big diamond that i sat out in front of the class uh that i got it <laughs> like one of the craft stores and you know um help us to remember the many facets of the soul but a pure soul right we're talking about a pure yeah, soul yeah. so it's very clear all right and then um saint teresa also has some images of god now one of of course was the living waters that i just mentioned what are what were some other titles that she used for images of God. The shining sun, uh, right. you know, being brilliant and filling uh, filling the earth and then light itself. Um, and then the font of life, you know, like you were saying for the tree of life with the water, God's living water in us. And of course, the king, um, the king of our soul. God himself. Right. And we often call him his majesty too yes. uh, in her writings. <laughs> he'll break into prayer and say, Oh, our majesty, Lord, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> just wonderful. All right. So that leads us now into, you know, we talked images of soul. Well, what exactly is our soul? So in the Interior Castle Study Edition, which is available from ICS Publications, they have a glossary at the back of the book, which is very rich, and it has the definition of the word soul. Would you mind sharing that with us, Teresa? Well, the definition given in the glossary is the spiritual component in the human person, the body being the of the material component. It's supported by Pauline text and the liturgy. Teresa speaks of the body as being the prison of the soul and of the soul imprisoned in the body as long as this earthy, earthly condition endures. Our poor little imprisoned soul shares in the miseries of the body. And in her mystical life, Teresa experiences her own soul as the subject of all her experiences of Christ, of God, of the Trinity, of the church, and is the container receiving all of these experiences as their as their carrier. In her openness to the transcendence, she experienced her soul as God's garden, a symbolism she developed in her life. The soul is fertile land in hopes of water or of grace or of prayer. The idea that Teresa has of the soul does not proceed from a psychological approach but from a religious and metaphysical one. Only obliquely does she allude to its biological function, function as of the animating of the body. Okay, so the whole body is the soul. So uh, what we can touch, our skin, <laughs> you know, this outside of our body, that that's the material component. And yeah. then we have the interior, the spiritual component. And um, one time, Father Daniel Channing came to our community to give a retreat, and he gave us a handout on the psychological structure of the human person. And on the outward, there was a, a three-layer concentric circle. On the outer layer was the senses. And then the next layer going in was the spirit. And then the circle that was in the very center 
It is the center of the soul. And God reigns in the center of the soul. And then he would talk about, you know, like the, uh, the senses, you know, that's your, that's how you feel, smell, touch, see, and, and in a physical sense, but we have those senses in a spiritual sense, like spiritual sight or spiritual hearing. And then we also have in what we have the inferior with the, with our outward senses, inferior senses, but the interior senses would be also the superior senses. That would be like memory, intellect, will. And Tracy uses these three words and John the Cross used them, you know, he explained them really well. And so we need to get familiar with this as Teresa talks about the soul, because that will become very, very important as we get into the later dwelling places. And so we have a sensory region and a spiritual region. region. And then they relate to the evangel- evangelical councils. I want to stumble on that word um, <laughs> of obedience, poverty and chastity, which relate to the theological virtues. So, for example, um, the theological virtue of faith goes with the intellect. OK, as part of the interior faculty of the soul. And that goes with obedience, humility. Right. And then we have the theological virtue of hope which goes with the memory, and that is um, the soul of poverty or detachment. And then we have the theological virtue of charity, which goes with the will, and then the soul of chastity or love, purity, and virginity. So it's important for us to have that kind of understanding. And then in the very center is, is God, and his light is shining out through all the mansions, and it's the brightest in the center, but it continues to radiate through all the mansions or all the dwelling places. But because of our sin, it darkens. Um, we can't receive it because of our sin. So as the sin is removed, our um, the graces, his light comes stronger into us. And so that's important for us to know. Okay, now let's just talk about a um, description of a soul in the first dwelling place. And um, do you have that in front of you? Do you want to read a little or give us some just some highlights uh, describing what a soul in the first dwelling place is like? Well, the poor little soul, um, it's being so torn. Uh, it's still bringing in the the outside world. It's still having, you know, struggles with uh, with being pulled in the world and wanting to have a closer relationship with God who's resting in, in the center of our castle, our soul. And so there's such a little turmoil there. Um, we need to be persistent, persevere. And, and uh, so <laughs> we need help in that area. And that's where she says, you know, ask for the Blessed Virgin and, and the saints in helping us uh, to even recognize where we're at. So we need self-knowledge um, yeah. <laughs> and we need to uh, just uh, pray, get silent and pray. That's the way we enter into this castle. Absolutely. Um, and, and so we need to start saying no to things you know right 
that's kind of hard. <laughs> yes. We're going to have to start changing our lives some. And, um, you know, when you have a lot of peer group pressure, that's when the temptations are very strong and we have to figure out, okay, what's, what's the next thing? What, what can I do here? Um, these people are caught up in the world and in possessions. Yeah, in sports, <laughs> in Super yes. Bowl. <laughs> and, and how they think of themselves. You know, there's no humility. We think we we do things all on our own. We can handle things. So, yes, we need to know uh, where our inspiration comes for doing good things. <laughs> it's not and all so, us. <laughs> and like you mentioned, self-knowledge. We really, Teresa tells us, we need to spend a lot of time in the room of self-knowledge. And in fact, that will go throughout all of the mansions. But particularly here, as we begin, we have to know who we are, who God is, and who we are in relationship to him. Yes. Okay, so now yes. let's let's talk about... Um, you mentioned, uh, oh, oh, I want to put this in here. Um, Teresa used some biblical scriptural references. And um, in the study guide edition, I highlighted the footnotes that corresponded to scripture. And she has referenced scripture a lot. And, um, yes, she did. But she, in this first mansion, she particularly talks about those who remain outside the castle but are invited to enter. Can you mention who those might be for us? Well, I loved when she uh, said in Genesis, she talked about the wife of Lot, you know, who who turned. She she was she was outside of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what did she do? But she turned back. She looked back. And so she was turned into a pillar of salt. Um, how sad, you know, she was being called and, and, and saved. <laughs> so, um, and they talked about, um, in John, uh, the paralytic who was beside the pool at Bethsaida. Um, you know, he sat there and just waited and waited for years until, until, uh, somebody helped him. And the other one in John was, um, the man who was born blind. Uh, you know, they, they talked about, well, who sins? Um, his, his parents or him? And, um, so Jesus was there. Jesus, Jesus and God, uh, the Trinity, they're the ones that pull us out, that, that help to get us to be saved. And often it's, uh, it's our friends, our relatives or a, a priest or, um, a book or a sermon or something that comes and gets our attention and then gives us the graces and helps us to move forward. And like you said, the entry into the castle is prayer, prayer and reflection. Now, people in the first mansion, they really don't pray a whole lot. In fact, it's pretty sporadic. But what they need yes. to do is to develop that habit of prayer. So maybe you could tell us what's the prayer life like when they're in the first dwelling place? What types of prayer are done here? Uh, vocal prayer, uh, where you're 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 speaking the prayers, and then uh, the prayers that we taught as children: the Our Father, the Hail Marys, um, petitionary prayer, where we're asking for help. Um, 
but we need to, during these times of this sporadic prayer, is to know what we're saying, who we're we're talking to, and who we are. Um, to to not just say the words and let them just spill out of our mouths, but we need to truly reflect on what we're saying and who we're talking to. And uh, that's what we need to to remember here in the first these first uh, rooms. Yeah. So there's uh, the need to work on a very attentive, loving desire and awareness of the presence of God. So, you know, people in the first mansion, you know, if they come into a hardship, yes, they may turn to prayer and have a really heartfelt prayer. But that needs to be not just in emergencies. Yes. <laughs> it needs yes. to be. More of a constant because what we're doing here is developing a relationship. And it's like when you meet somebody for the first time and you want you're interested in them. So you want to get to know them. Right. And um, so there are some suggestions for the kinds of prayers that um, you can do. Uh, You've mentioned some. Um, You might want to think of your favorite images uh, of God. you know, do you see him as the shepherd? Do you see him as a, a harsh father? And if so, why? And m- maybe we need to reflect on the merciful father instead or the prodigal son, you know, and the father wanting his son to come back and rejoicing over that. Or you might want to think of how you see yourself in relationship to God. You know, some people in this mansion think, you know, I, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. And God's not got any interest in me. Um, and that's not accurate. That's, that's a fallacy. He loves each and every soul. Um, individually and collectively, he loves us each very deeply. And the key here is how well we respond. So we need to, you know, say we're sorry for our sins and, and ask for the grace to do good and, um, to just be aware that God is there and that he's merciful. Okay. And then let's talk about this um, soul that's in mortal sin. Oh, sadness. Just uh, how it must hurt God uh, because he's always looking at us and he, he wants a relationship with us. And so a soul in mortal sin, you know, we're covering that diamond. We're we're clothing the crystal castle. It just becomes total darkness. And um and any of the works that you do, it, it's coming from a very dark place. There's no freshness, um, it's fruit no fruitfulness. Um, you know, the water, the living water has become muddied and soiled. Um just by being in sin. So the water is black, it's foul smelling, it's wretched, it's filthy. And you know, when I was looking over this, um, I remember um, Tom and I, my husband, we got a watermelon one year. Um, We put it in the refrigerator, was just, it was beautiful melon. And we went to cut it open, we're ready to take that bite. And then the inside was awful. Well, it had been watered from a fish farm, the water had been changing the tanks. Now I can understand they wanted to 
to reuse that water and not let it just, you know, be sunk in the soil. So they watered the vegetable gardens. That watermelon didn't have, oh, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, it picked up so, the flavors around it, right? <laughs> yeah, so, um, so yes, the fruits that you may have, um, because the devil does work on us and we think that we're doing good, but if we're in sin, um, the fruit is not good. It just isn't. And then the black cloth, it's covering the soul. It's preventing the light from God to shine, to shine through us and to to help others uh, see God in us and, and have that ripple effect of God. What love. do we need to grow? How, how do we get going forward here? Well, we need to be a mirror, a mirror for humility, recognize that God is the source of all our good works and our good deeds. And to have an intense fear of not offending him, him who loves us dearly. Um, so we want to stay away from sin. The more the more we pray, the more we reflect and, and love others around us, we don't want to be sinful. So <laughs> Yeah, and, and as you mentioned before, we need to, to know who we are. So we need to examine ourselves. So that would be a good thing to do in prayer is to, you know, say, Okay, where where have I messed up today? Lord, give me the grace to overcome this sin. Um, help me to persevere in prayer and, and keeping my eyes on you and to grow in humility, uh knowing how beautiful God's help is that we can rely on him instead of just ourself and our self-sufficiency. So we need to strive to know God by gazing at his grandeur. Then, of course, when we look at his grandeur, we see our yuck. <laughs> the comparison is very clear. And by looking yes. at his purity, we see our own filth. But, you know, we have to know about our filth and look. If you don't know about the filth, how are you going to get your spring cleaning done, right? (laughs) So, you know, the devil's always playing tricks on us. He's always tempting us. And some of the problems we have in the first mansion, there's, you know, all of a sudden we're going to do this. And now we get overzealous. And now we start, you know, analyzing everybody. And we're becoming hypercritical of how everybody else is acting. And where we're depending on our own opinions, our own views, not not knowing there's other possibilities out there, right? <laughs> so, you know, that kind of cools the charity and, and uh, it's it's not good for us. So we need to um, work on growing in charity. Gossiping is a problem here. Excessive preoccupation with worldly affairs. Of course, possessions, you know, your honor, uh, your reputation, uh, money, money, that's a big one. And yes. um you know, they're not very strong in defending themselves. So what's the battle plan? What do we need to do to to advance uh, and get through these tactics that the devil tempts us with? Pray. Pray, pray, pray. pray. (laughs) (laughs) And approach his majesty as often as possible. So yes, pray. Call on the Blessed Mother and the saints. Have them intercess for us um, to help them fight for us. That's what they're there for, our our blessed mother and saints. Strive to give up the unnecessary things. You know, um, Lent is coming up, so that's always a good time to uh, to think of some things. But, you know, un- 
business affairs, addictions, attachments. Maybe you watch too many sports where you can, um, you know, take some time and just reflect, you know, reflect about God's good things. Um, and these souls have little strength to defend themselves. So prayer is the answer. Yes. And, and the sacraments. Go try to get to uh, mass. And if you're not Catholic, uh, get to church service, study scripture, get to know who Jesus is. You know, Teresa mentions in this mansion, she's talking about what true perfection is. And she says it's love of God and neighbor. And you don't know how well you love God, but you can tell how well you love your neighbor. Okay, well, with that, I'm going to do a closing yes. prayer here. And this, again, is from The Interior Journey Toward God by John Paul Thomas. So let's get our focus on Jesus present within the center of our soul. And let's sign ourselves in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and King, you live within me, dwelling in your fullness in the most secret chamber of my soul. Please help me to turn my eyes towards you intentionally to speak to you, to hear your voice and to simply be with you. As I do, please help me to discover who I am and how I need to change. Help me to persevere in this form of prayer so that my entire day is recollected and centered on you. Indwelling of the most holy trinity, I love you. I trust you. I surrender my life to you. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Amen. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Teresa, I want to thank you for joining me today for this first conversation on the uh, first dwelling place. I hope you'll be able to join me again so that we can talk about the second dwelling place, the second mansion. It's been a delight to have you here. Well, thank you, Francis. <laughs> All right. I look forward to uh, more podcasts with you. And thank you, listening audience. Thank you for joining Carmelite Conversations. And we ask for God to bless you and keep you and draw you ever deeper into his divine heart. God bless. Bye-bye.